Good morning. Is that on? Thank you for worship. That was tremendous. Sorry. Wow. Uh, God's Spirit is definitely here today. Those of you that don't know me, my name is... Give me a second. I'm sorry. My name is Rick Sherman. There we go. I got a voice now. And it is my privilege to be up here sharing God's Word with you this morning. Today we are continuing our series on Easter. Two weeks ago, Micah spoke about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And Micah's challenge to us that day was, do you believe this? And last week, Doug spoke on Mary uh, when she um, put the perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And Doug's challenge to us was, what are we willing to sacrifice for Jesus? And so today we're going to talk about the triumphal entry and a couple other things. Uh, we are in John chapter 12. Before we get to go to God's word, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask now, Lord, that you would instruct us and help us, Lord. Open our minds to thoughts we haven't considered. Strengthen us in our faith. Please guide us through this time of, of sharing around your word. Help us, Lord, to consider all that you have for us individually. We thank you, Lord, for being a merciful God, a God full of wisdom and knowledge. Please bless us, Lord, with your guidance now. Please inspire us. Please change us, Lord, so that we might be more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We are in John chapter 12. Actually, I've been tasked with the rest of the chapter, which is John 12, 12 through 50. My guess is there's somewhere in the six to eight ranges of sermons in there. I'm not going to begin to try and tackle that. We're going to talk about the triumphal entry, and I plan to park then in verses 27 and 28, and then very quickly hitting on chapter, uh, verse 32 at the end. However, before we read God's word, I have a question for the first few rows over here. What is this device? <laughs> you know, don't tell them. Have you ever used one? Oh, we got a couple. Okay. Anyone know first electric window on vehicles when it was introduced? The 1940 Packard. Anyone ever driven a Packard? I hadn't even heard of the Packard. So we invented electric windows. But you know who my hero is? Because we went from crank, right? To pushing a button. My hero is the guy that invented the auto down. The guy that determined that this is way too much work. I'm not doing that. I'm just doing that. The auto down. Page 899 in your pew Bible. Let's read the entire chapter, but like I said, I don't plan to cover all of it in detail. Page 899. Should pick that up. You're heading the triumphal entry. The next day... The great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. 
Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the man has come for the, t- the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had done these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. 
So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. I realize that was a lot of scripture, but it's always worth reading God's word. Triumphal entry, right? I don't think I have anything new to offer on this. We've probably all heard multiple sermons in the triumphal entry. This is Passover week. Jerusalem is full. One commentator I wrote that during Passover, Jerusalem had 2.7 million people. I'm not sure how he did a census 2,000 years ago, but the point of the matter is, is that Jerusalem was full. There was people from all over, and Jesus is the rock star. Can I say that? I did, I guess I said it. Jesus is the rock star. Jesus is at the zenith of his popularity here, coming on the heels of raising a dead man from the tomb. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. Lazarus was alive. People could see him, talk to him, touch him. There was no debating it. We take it on faith. People saw Lazarus, Jesus, all of the signs, all of the miracles were coming through. The captives were free. The blind had sight. The lame were walking. Jesus was feeding 5,000 people with two fish and some loaves. All of the signs had come through. The crowd is in a frenzy, a legitimate. Hosanna, save now. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the uh, name of the Lord. Their Messiah had come. For thousands of years they've been waiting. And now they realize he is here. This is truly a festive, it's an amazing scene. There's some signs, though, and there's some signs that are missed. Kings don't ride on donkeys. For some reason, I picture Jesus riding side saddle. I don't know why. But kings ride on stallions, or kings are riding on chariots, or kings are carried behind in coaches. This was not a military procession, this was missed. But there's signs that are seen. Tim read Zechariah 9, 9. Most certainly, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of the prophecies have been fulfilled. This is it. Those of you that are note takers, this is where the notes start. There's people in the crowd. There's three people groups that I want to talk about here for the triumphal entry. And the first I'm not going to talk about it long is the scribes. Because I don't think there's too many scribes in the building. The scribes really, their attitude don't really come to church. Um, in the passage that after Lazarus was raised from the dead, it says in John, that's actually a typo, in John 12, 10, that not only did the scribes and Pharisees want to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. What had Lazarus done wrong? But Lazarus, because of his popularity, because of what Jesus did, they wanted to kill him too. Scribes are there. And then there's the people. It's a huge crowd of people. And they're singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save now. How long did it last? It didn't last through the chapter. Did you catch verse 43? There were people that believed, but they wouldn't tell anybody because they wanted the praise of men over the praise of God. The crowd, inside of a week, Hosanna, crucify him. The same people, crucify him. Hosanna, give us Barabbas. That guy we were talking about last week that we thought was the king of the Jews that we really loved, we'd rather have the career criminal. Can we please have the thug? 
We don't want that guy we were talking about last week. He saved others. Why can't he come off the cross and save himself? He raised Lazarus. The same people. Ashamed, I hear my voice calling out among the scoffers. My voice. We have the disciples. Surely they're different, right? Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save now. Really? How'd it go for Peter? Inside of a week. Three times, right? Denied Jesus. We know that one. It's very famous. How's Mark capture it? Mark 1450. Everyone fled and deserted Jesus. The disciples. But the disciples came back. That's the difference. The disciples came back. Because real faith seeks forgiveness. And real faith restores you. And real faith lives. That's the difference between the crowd who's fickle and lost it in a week and the disciples who also fled, but they came back because their faith was real. Are you too far gone? Don't buy this lie of Satan. God, you don't know what I've done. Rick, you don't know what I've done. I don't. Are you too far gone for Jesus' love? You are not. I've been reading a book, and this quote just blew my mind. If there's air in in your lungs, you are not too far gone for Jesus. You are not. You cannot outrun his love and his forgiveness. Don't believe that lie. I want to talk now and change gears. And uh, I could tell I'm a little more emotional than normal today. I apologize, uh, but it's, it's just how it's working today. And I really I want to talk really for the rest of our time about something I truly don't understand. Good, I was checking if anybody would leave because I thought that'd be a good time to leave. And truthfully, I want to talk about something that I don't understand because I'm not convinced any human fully understands it. And I want to talk very candidly, very plainly about Jesus the man. And I want to finish then with Jesus God. Because we talk about Jesus being a man, but we just mention it and we're over it. And I want to spend some time today talking about Jesus the man because quite frankly, I don't believe we give him enough credit. So let's flip to verse um, 20. And I want to pause here uh, very quickly on verse 20. There's verses in Scripture sometimes that we don't notice. And I want to spend a moment to notice verse 20. Verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. Skip down to verse 23. When made aware of this, that's not scripture, that's Rick. Then Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Why is this seemingly innocuous verse important? Is because the Greeks weren't Jews. And Jesus is for everyone. He is not just king of the Jews. He is for all. 
What did God say to Abraham in Genesis 12? I will bless all nations through you, not just the Jews. Born out in Revelation, who is around the throne singing to Jesus? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is not just for the Jews. And thank goodness, because that's why we're here. Verse 27 and 28, where I plant to park. I'll read those again. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus' heart is troubled. There's the word. I can't remember if that was a Greek word, but it is acute emotional distress. Jesus is in some turmoil. Why? Because Jesus knows what's coming. Twofold. Jesus knows what's coming as a man. He knows the flogging. He knows the cross. He knows what's coming as a man. Jesus knows what's coming as God. We'll get to that in a moment, but I want to focus here for a few minutes on Jesus knows what's coming as a man. Who came to this hour? Jesus the man is what I want to talk about. Hear me to the end before you run out of here. God, Jesus says glorify your name. He knows at what cost it's coming. Jesus says, should I ask for this to be passed over? No, God. Glorify your name. Jesus Fully man. Jesus grew. This is straight from scripture. Jesus grew. He was fully man. Jesus was hungry and thirsty. Jesus had emotions. We read about Jesus weeping over Lazarus. I can't remember which account it is. Actually, after the triumphal entry, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Jesus had emotions. Jesus got tired. Jesus was a man. Jesus sweat. And Jesus bled. None of these things can be said for a spirit or a ghost or an angel. Jesus was a man. He walked on this earth as a man. Fully man. He's a carpenter by trade. I have to wonder, did Jesus ever smack his thumb with a hammer? Did Jesus have a headache? Did Jesus have a stomach ache? Jesus was a man. In my brain, at least, he had all of those physical things. That's how we can identify with him. Jesus was a man. Jesus was a teenager. Jesus went through adolescence and puberty on this earth without sinning. Jesus was a man. Jesus was mocked. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth, isn't this just Jesus, Joseph's son, the carpenter? Who is this guy? Jesus was mocked. I'm not talking about on the cross. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was tempted in every way as a man. When we read Jesus, the passage, when Jesus is tempted in the desert, kind of the most famous one, we sometimes miss that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And then we, also, we often highlight that Jesus' response to Satan always started with what? It is written. Well, so we say, well, Jesus knew the scripture because he's God, right? And Jesus knew the scripture because he wrote it. I promote to you that Jesus knew the scripture because he read it on the earth as a man. 
it is written. Jesus was a man of resolve. Jesus was a man of discipline. We don't like those words humanly, but Jesus was those things. So I'm trying to lose weight. I've been at it about six weeks. The concept of losing weight is actually quite simple, right? It's, it couldn't be more simple. Eat less calories than you burn. In practical terms, it's, it's diet and exercise. Why is it so hard? The concept, everyone understands, a grade schooler can understand it. These aren't difficult concepts. It breaks down in the execution, doesn't it? Because at 10 o'clock at night, I'm hungry, and I eat, and I like Coke. It's good, and I don't like Diet Coke. It breaks down in the execution. How does it work spiritually? How do we grow spiritually? We grow spiritually, time in the Word, time in prayer, fellowshipping with the saints. Concepts, simple. Where does it break down? It breaks down in the execution, doesn't it? It does for me. Jesus prayed alone, often. I captured a few instances here. Jesus was about God's work. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. He was 12. Three days, I believe. Can't remember if it was three or four days. Where'd they find him? At the temple. And what did Jesus say? Where'd you think you'd find me? I have to be about God's business. Where else would I be? Jesus spent time with the saints. We talked about Jesus' love for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Had to have spent time with them. How many people you deeply love you never see and never talk to? Jesus had a relationship. So where am I going with this? I'm going with looking at Jesus as an example. And sometimes when I say that this breaks down, I'll be candid. Here's where it breaks down for me. You ever feel like your prayers just hit the ceiling? You ever feel like your time with the Lord is dry? Sometimes for a day, sometimes for a week, sometimes for longer. Your time is dry. God, I'm tired. God, I had a rough day. Man, the kids are stressing me out. I can't stop worrying about money. God, my brain is full. I don't want to spend time with you today, God. I'm just busy. May you go through those times and go through with some discipline and resolve and actually read God's word on those rough and tough days. Can we spend time in prayer when we don't want to? Discipline and resolve. Jesus was a man, and I believe he plowed through on those things. Do it out of duty. Time spent in God's word is never a bad thing, even when you don't want to. Because what happens is it's God's word, and it's living. And if you are a Christian, then you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And you might not see the light bulb today when you spend time in God's word or when you spend time in prayer. But God's Holy Spirit in you with you putting the prayer and in God's word in, is what does the work. It might be dry, and it might not, you might not feel like doing it, 
but plow through with some duty and do it. Because that duty will turn to delight. There's times when God meets me in my office and it's just the best and it's beautiful and I can't get enough. But if I'm not doing it, I never get those. And I'm not telling you it's going to happen every time, but plow through with some discipline and some resolve and your duty and do it and it will turn to delight. Often. For this very reason, Jesus came. God, he says, glorify your name. Take up your cross. Here's a quote. So if all we've gotten out of this is a human lecture, this is going to last no better than a New Year's resolution. It's not the goal here today. I hope that's not what I'm communicating. Because this is a spiritual concept. Jesus says, Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Paul says that he dies daily. Can you ask the Holy Spirit to challenge you in your life on your discipline and resolve in reading God's word and in prayer. I'm not going to quantify it for you. Ask him to show you where your weaknesses are and that you could plow through with some duty so we can get to delight. Jesus was fully man. He has to be fully man. Because what good is Jesus if every time things got tough, he just hit the God button. And I'm fully God now. I'm tempted. Oh, that's okay. I'm not dealing with it today. I'm tired. I'm not going to spend any time praying today. Not dealing with it today. Jesus is of no value to us in human terms if, we, if he just hit the God button every time things got tough. He didn't hit it. He was fully man. Isaiah 53, if Jesus wasn't fully man, it contradicts scripture. Isaiah 53, Jesus was acquainted with grief. He wasn't just hitting the button and passing it up. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was fully man, tempted in every way like we are. We can, he can empathize with us. It's the beauty of it. For this very reason, glorify your name. Now, if this was the sum total of the message today, of one perfect man that didn't sin, then Jesus saves only himself. One man living a perfect life saves only himself. Jesus was not just fully man. Jesus was fully God. I don't know how it works exactly, but I know it's true. Jesus was fully God. For this very reason, Jesus, God, came to glorify 
his name. How do we know Jesus was God? Genesis 1.26, before time, let us make man in our image. Jesus is there, Holy Spirit and God. Let us make man in our image. Jesus, fully God. John 1.1, 1, 1, the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. The word was God and the word was with God. Jesus, fully God. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning before time, the end after time. Three times in Revelations, he refers to himself as that. John 3.16, we know that verse. For God sent who? A man? No, God sent his only son, the son that was there in Genesis 1.1, the son that was the word that became flesh, fully God. Jesus said, or the Bible teaches us that the demons believe that Jesus was God, and they tremble. Fully God. What does Jesus tell Pilate? You have no authority. None. Unless I gave it to you. Fully God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Fully God. I want to read to you Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Fully God. On the cross, Jesus hung for six hours, three of those in darkness. The human Jesus in agony, but God in agony. As as God poured his my sins, my forked tongue, and my pride, and my lust on Jesus God. And Jesus poured your sin, God poured your sins on Jesus on the cross. His agony spiritually far exceeding his agony humanly. And Jesus poured all the sins of the world. God, I'm sorry. God, all the sins of the world on him. Rape. Incest. Genocide, sex trafficking, serial killers, any evil you can conjure up in your head, Jesus took that on. Fully God. Jesus was smitten for us, and by his stripes we are healed. This is the power. This is the power of the cross. Jesus Christ. Fully man. Jesus Christ, fully 
God. We stand forgiven at the cross. This is the reason Jesus came. It was for this reason that I came. Jesus God. Jesus the man. Praise God. Verse 32. As we close. But when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. The Jews stoned people on the ground. Romans crucified people on a cross. So you had to look up at Jesus to see him on the cross. Jesus was predicting his death. But I think this bears true for us in 2022. We announced that we lost Carol Stuber on Friday. When I think Carol Stuber, I think a life that lifted Jesus up. It's ours to live on this earth to lift Jesus up. Do I lift Jesus up? When Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. We're going to close with a song. We talked about the triumphal entry. We talked about the triumphal entry. Who are you in the crowd? Are you just in the crowd? It's good while it lasted, but when it gets tough, I'm out of here. Are you a disciple? Are you, is your faith real? Is it live? We talked about Jesus the man, and he suffered so we could identify with him. But Jesus wasn't just a man, and he was God, and he did the work for us. God bless.